Hello, everyone. Welcome to our December 2018 Reach 3030. Uh, this is the second one in a series. We had one in October. I was in Europe in November, and so this is the second one. Uh, if you were on our Tosca 3030 uh, six minutes ago, thank you for staying on. If you're just joining this Reach 3030, welcome. Next slide. I'm Herb Stryker. Next slide. So I decided to pick a few topics that I thought might be interesting to people in terms of new developments on the Reach. This is not a program that will explain to you how to register polymers. All right, That's not what this Reach 3030 is all about. The Reach 3030 is really about important topics, hot topics, things that um, you know, the European Chemical Agency or the institutions or the member states have been working on in the previous month. So we're going to talk about four things today. We're going to talk about a new regulation that's come out with respect to data requirements for nanomaterials on the Reach. Uh, I'm going to provide an update uh, to the Brexit situation. In particular, the UK government has issued new guidance, and uh, supplemental guidance, on what UK reach will look like if there's no Brexit deal. If you were here or participated in the October uh, reach 3030, we had a long discussion about the first set of guidance documents that the UK government came out with. Uh, today, we'll talk about updated guidance that they issued um, uh, during uh, November, December. Uh, we're going to talk about updates that are planned, that are being voted on this week in Helsinki, quite frankly, to add additional chemicals to the candidate list of substances of very high concern. And we'll also talk about open consultations that, by the European Chemical Agency, ECHA, that provide an opportunity to provi provide public input. Next slide. So data requirements for nanomaterials. Well, you may know... Uh, that the question as to whether REACH registration dossiers have to be updated with information on nanomaterial forms or nanoforms of the substances that are being registered has been an issue that's been debated hotly in the European Union for a number of years. Uh, the version of REACH that was promulgated in 2006 and entered into force in, in 2000, June uh, 1, 2007, did not have any specific reference to nanomaterials. Uh, the guidance uh, from the institutions at that time was that nanomaterials were the same as the, the bulk substances in terms of uh, inventory status. Um, there was a call and some efforts by the European Chemical Agency to require registrants to submit information specific on nanoforms and their REACH dossiers, particularly titanium dioxide and the silicon dioxide uh, registration dossiers, but that was reversed by the European Chemical Agency Board of Appeals, which said that, you know, REACH says nothing about nanoforms, it says nothing about nanomaterials, and so therefore the European Chemical Agency has no authority to require that information. Well, that has now been remedied by the European Commission. On December 3rd of this year, the European Commission issue public a regulation, uh, and that's regulation 2018-1881, uh, and that was published in the official journal, uh, page 308, on December 4th, and this regulation addresses nanomaterials and nanoforms of substances on the reach 
and the data requirements for the registration of those types of materials and the chemical safety report for those types of materials. Um, the requirements take effect on January 1, 2021, so there is a transition period. But people who registered uh, substances, and if their composition was a nanomaterial or nanoform, those registration dossiers will have to be updated with the new information that's required under this regulation, and they'll have to be updated by January 1, 2021. Uh, these requirements uh, will go into effect for all new nanoforms of substances. If you want to have a new registration uh, of a nanoform of substance, and although uh, they don't, these requirements do not take effect until January 2021. If you're planning to register a substance before then, and it's a nanoform, you should adhere to this, these regulatory requirements because there's no point conducting studies on a non-nanoform material. Uh, and then having to update that shortly thereafter uh, to comply with this regulation. So next slide, please. So what is a nanomaterial? Very busy slide. Uh, a nanomaterial under reach is the same as the definition uh, that was proposed by the commission in 2011. And what is that definition? Well, it covers a natural, incidental, or manufactured material that differs, for example, from some of the U.S. definitions, which focus only on manufactured materials that are manufactured in nanoform. This covers all forms, natural, incidental, and manufactured. If the material contains particles in an unbound state, that means the particles are not bound, or as an aggregate, so they're clumped together, or as an agglomerate, also a different form of clumping together, where 50% or more of the particles in the number size distribution in the material have one or more external dimensions in the size range, the nano size range, one nanometers to 100 nanometers. So a remarkable thing about this definition, it doesn't only cover nano sized particles in the unbound states, but also in the aggregate or agglomerates. And that's very, very unique. I think that's unique to Europe. Uh, deciding whether you have a nanomaterial where the material is uh, aggregated or agglomerated is a very, very challenging uh, task. Uh, why focus on aggregates or agglomerates? The theory is that they would, may break up during use to release the nanoparticles. Uh, but it's a very, very exacting definition. Uh, it also indicates, the definition required, indicates that in some cases you don't even have to meet the 50% distribution, uh, but you could still be nano at lower than 50% distribution of nanoparticles. Uh, the definition indicates that what you traditionally would consider nanomaterials, fullerenes, graphene flakes, single wall carbon nanotubes, that these are uh, nanomaterials, and uh, it doesn't require a 50% or more particle distribution in the nano size. Interestingly enough, uh, nanoporous or nanocomposite materials are not considered to be nanomaterials at present on this definition, and but the definition is under review, and it's been under review for a number of years, and so it'll be interesting to see uh, what the 
Europeans come up with. Next slide. So what, what does this regulation do? Well, it requires uh, nano-specific data in all the REACH annexes. Now, as you know, the registration requirements for REACH are set out in Annex 6 to Annex 10. Adaptations or derogations from the registration requirements are set out in Annex 11. Uh, so this requires, there are sort of modifications to all the REACH annexes, to many, many of the endpoints, uh, requiring nano-specific information. Uh, so let's take Annex 6. Annex 6 is the data requirement for structure, sorry, for uh, yeah, substance identification, substance ID. Uh, and so what does that Annex now require for nanoforms? Well, in addition to what's normally required for a substance in terms of identification, you know, spectral data, composition, impurities, etc., for a nanomaterial, you have to provide uh, the name of the nanoform. You have to provide a number-based particle size distribution with an indication of the number fraction of particles in the size range that are nano size range. Interestingly, you have to provide a description of surface functionalization or surface treatment of nanoparticles. Identify the treating agent, including its IUPAC name and CAS or European inventory number. So that suggests that unlike the case for surface treated particles generally, surface treated nanoparticles are not considered mixtures, but would be considered substances. And the surface treating agent would be part of the name of the nanomaterial. Uh, so that's, I think, a point that will have to be clarified in guidance as we get closer to the January 2021 deadline. But I think that's the only possible way to read this because this regulation requires that as part of the substance ID, you indicate you describe the surface functionalization of treating agent, including the name and cast numbers. Uh, you have to provide shape, aspect ratio, other morphological characteristics, surface area, describe the analytical methods uh, that you've used, and so it's very, very exacting substance ID for nanomaterials. Next slide. Uh, you probably won't be able to read this, but Every annex, data annex, as well as the information for the CSR for every section of the chemical safety report has a provision specific to nanomaterials. So, for example, if you're dealing with log P or octanoval water partition coefficient, the regulation now says that for nanoforms, whether inorganic or organic, for which the partition coefficient is not applicable, the study of dispersion stability shall be considered instead. So that's a new data requirement. So you have a new data requirement for log P in the case of nanoforms. That's the case throughout many of the REACH data requirements. And the chemical safety report requires that for each endpoint in the hazard assessment, the nano, the nano, the properties or the implications of the material being in nanoform needs to be considered. So very complex, very comprehensive, very expensive um, registration requirements are now in place in Europe for nanomaterials. Next slide. Brexit. 
Well, I was hoping that there would be some clarity this week from Brexit. Uh, but if you read the newspaper, I guess you can read the newspaper as well as I do, uh, it's become extraordinarily chaotic. Uh, there's a, there was a vote in the EU Parliament uh, on the UK-EU deal, which I think most people say is a bad deal. Uh, uh, that's been deferred to avoid certain defeat. Uh, and the European Court of Justice ruled on Monday uh, that the UK can withdraw its Article 50 notice unilaterally. Article 50 is a notice that it provided the European Union that it wants to leave the European Union. The UK can withdraw that unilaterally as long as they do it in a democratic process, I guess which means, I guess it means parliament or a vote of some sort. Uh, now, so what's going to happen? Who knows? Uh Interestingly, uh, the U.K. can ask for an extension of the deadline to leave, but that has to be agreed to by all 27 member states, which I think would be very difficult to achieve. Um, they could have another Brexit vote, uh, or they could be heading to a no-deal scenario. Next slide. So let's talk about the no-deal scenario. I mean, we talked about... Um, what the UK government plans to do in the case of no deal uh, in October with respect to registration. And just to remind you a little bit, uh, what the UK plans to do is very reasonable. Uh, if you have a register, if you're a UK company and you have a registration uh, under reach, uh, you can uh, basically use that registration in the UK uh, for an interim period. So you you sign up to the uh, uh, the UK uh, Reach IP system, you provide some basic information, you stay on the market, and you have two years to provide the data, uh, the data set for the chemicals. So you, you get about a two-year transition period. And so UK is very reasonable, even in the case of no deal. Uh, but now the UK has uh, provided additional details as to what will happen uh, in the case of a no deal scenario. They've indicated that they will not charge a fee, a registration fee, for the grandfathering of REACH registrations into the UK system. Uh, so I think that is uh, that's very, very accommodating. You know, ECHA is providing no accommodation. Uh, if you have a, a UK company, you have a REACH registration. If you have to appoint a new only representative now in Europe to take over that registration for you, uh, you have to pay a new fee. So the ECHA is being not accommodating at all, but the UK certainly is being accommodating. There will be no fee for the grandfathering of REACH registrations into the UK system. Uh, and uh, you get a UK REACH registration number, um, and then uh, the, the existing European candidate list of substance very high concern. Uh, will be adopted in total in the uh, UK, which means that they will be Article 33 communications in the supply chain. You know, if you're an importer in Europe uh, or a manufacturer in Europe of an article that contains 0.1% or more of a substance that's on the ECHA candidate list of substances of very high concern, you have to provide a communication to the supply chain, at a minimum the name of the substance and whatever information is necessary to ensure safe use. And you also have to, in some circumstances, provide a notification to the ECHA. Um, there are something like 121 substances on the candidate list so far. 
uh, that list of 121 or so substances will be adopted whole cloth uh, in the UK. Now, subsequent, after Brexit, if the European Chemical Agency adds another chemical to the candidate list, that will not automatically be adopted uh, by the UK, uh, but the UK will probably examine that chemical under its own merits. Um, Annex 14, which is the authorization list. You know, as you know, uh, uh, substances uh, uh, that are on the Annex 14 list require basically authorization or a permit in order to be placed on the market or used in Europe. That the, that authorization list, which is in place when UK leaves the European Union, will be adopted whole cloth under the UK REACH system, the UK, new UK REACH system. The same thing with restrictions uh, that are listed in Annex 17 of REACH. They will be carried over to the UK REACH regulation. Now, anything which is listed on Annex 14, anything which is subject to restriction after the UK leaves in Europe uh, will not automatically be adopted by the UK, uh, but will probably have to be examined under its own merits by the UK Health and Safety Executive. The Health and Safety Executive takes the place of the ECA. Next slide. Um, so, there will be a fee for uh, new for new substances. Next slide. Uh, uh, process oriented uh, research and development exemptions. Uh, if you ha hold one now, that's probably very few of you on the line. That will carry over uh, into the UK REIT system. It'll be uh, in effect for the same period of time you have uh, had it, would have had been able to operate under it in the uh, REIT system. It'll have that uh, effect. You'll be able to seek an exemption as you can under EU REACH for a period up to 10 years. Next slide. Uh, so the new chemicals will have a fee associated with their registration. The fees will be uh, basically the ECHA fees, and they'll be transposed in the UK law. Safety data sheets will be the same, uh, and the same requirements as under EU REACH, and so you should be able to use your English version of your EU REACH safety data sheets in the UK, and you'll be able to appoint an only representative. Next slide. So summary on the UK uh, REACH uh, program. It's basically going to be REACH. Uh, there'll be a transition. Uh, you'll have several years to provide the data that supports your registration. Uh, the UK government's been very, very accommodating. There will be, they've done everything they can to ensure continuity uh, of the market in the UK. Uh, the ECHA has not been uh, so accommodating. It's going to be difficult for UK companies to operate in Europe, uh, and it'll be the same as if they were in Switzerland or Japan or the US. Um, and there are, are going to be impediments on their being able to transfer over uh, registrations that they now hold uh, to, to EU27. Um, if they're a manufacturer of formulator substances in the UK, they'll be able to appoint an only representative in EU27, EU27, because there'll be 27 member states left. Uh, and, but if they are an importer in the UK, uh, they will not be able to appoint an only representative. They'll have to operate through a sole importer in uh, EU27 
or leave it up to their own customers to figure out what to do. So it's going to be difficult for UK companies to operate in Europe after Brexit. That's true if there's no no deal or there is a deal. If there is a deal, the only difference will be that you'll have a transition period, and I think they were talking about 18 months, to uh, organize yourself, if you're a UK company, to organize yourself to continue doing business in Europe. Um, so it's going to be difficult for UK companies anyway, you know, whether they are, um, uh, whether there's a deal or no deal. So additional developments. So EP, uh, the European Chemical Agency and the Member State Committee uh, are meeting this week uh, at the, about midway. And uh, one of the things that they're looking at is whether to add certain chemicals to the candidate, uh, to the candidate list of substance of high concern. Uh, and those chemicals are the lower or smaller polyaromatic hydrocarbons. So, you know, you have naphthalene is one. That's not polyaromatic because that doesn't inconsistent with the, the term one. Uh, you have, uh, sorry, benzene is one. Naphthalene is two rings. Uh, but the phenanthrene, which I highlighted bold, is three rings. And that one's usually not considered uh, a, a persistent bicumulative toxic chemical. It is listed as a PBT in the U.S. Uh, recro waste PBT list, uh, but that's about it. It generally is not considered a PBT, but the European Chemical Agency is considering actively this week uh, whether uh, phenanthrene should be listed as a PBT or very persistent, very bicumulative chemical on the candidate list of substance of high concern. So certainly a proceeding worth monitoring. Next slide. There are several open consultations. Uh, one has to do with um, uh, uh, granules or mulches that are used as infill in synthetic turf. Uh, which I guess is for their soccer play, soccer teams, or in, uh, playgrounds, uh, or other sports applications, if these materials contain a certain amount of PAHs, and they list eight PAHs, so it's not phenanthrene, it's the high, much higher no, uh, number of ring polyaromatic hydrocarbons, and so if you're in the business of selling, um, granules and mulches, uh, for use in infield materials and synthetic turf, uh, you should get engaged. Uh, comments are due 19 March 2019. Uh, and, you know, it's interesting the things that uh, they pick for restrictions. I think the last one that they adopted had to do with the inks that are used in tattoos. Substances that are used in the inks and tattoos. And so they are sort of, you know, picking all kinds of things to impose restrictions on. Well, this is a rather unusual one, but comments are due 19th. I think uh, probably more importantly, uh, an application for the authorization for the use of TCE as an extraction solvent in the industrial manufacture of caprolactam, which I seem to remember is synthetic nylon, nylon I think, if I'm right, uh, is under review. Uh, and that's a very, very important uh, monomer in the, uh, per, uh, in the production of polymers. And comments there are due the 9th of January. Next slide. Well, we actually, I think, uh, ended on time. 
Um, we have an OSHA, the next OSHA 3030 is scheduled for December 19th. Uh, the next TOSCA 3030 is scheduled for January 9th. And uh, we on occasion have a FIFA 3030, which is unscheduled. Next slide. So I'm Herb Stryker. The next REACH 3030 will be January 9th, 2018. And again, this program is not uh, a webinar to teach you how to register polymers in Europe, although we may discuss proposals that the uh, Commission are thinking about in terms of requiring registration of polymers. I mean, that would be appropriate for a program like this. Um, so it all depends what the uh, institutions or the European Chemical Agency or um, the member states are up to during the month of December in terms of the topics that we'll have next month. Anyway, I'm Herbert Stryker. I thank you for your time, and uh, particularly those who spent uh, the last hour listening to me. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.